0: Change me from glory to glory, and I boldly say, I boldly say, I will never ever be the same again in Jesus' name, amen. Are you constantly changing from glory to glory? That's the intended purpose of God, and we'll never be the same ever again. We're talking about perseverance this morning, that's our subject. Perseverance. Opening text will be found in the book of Genesis, chapter 41. And we're going to begin reading at verse 37. And the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, can we find such a one as this is a man in whom the spirit of God is? And Pharaoh said to Joseph, for as much as God hath showed thee all these, all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art thou shalt be over my house and according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled only in the throne will I be greater than thou and Pharaoh said to Joseph see I have set thee over all the land of Egypt wow these verses are talking about or speaking of Joseph at the pinnacle of his success now if you just read that you would think man this guy had Success handed to him on a silver platter. Would you not? All given to him. But close observation tells us something otherwise. Here we see him being made the ruler over Pharaoh's house. Second in command over all of Egypt. But in the beginning of his life we discover this. He had some setbacks and some obstacles and circumstances to overcome to get to where he was at there. First of all, he was betrayed by his brothers. They faked his death, sold him into slavery. And then he was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife of rape, found himself in a prison. And then even with these individuals in the prison, the baker and the butler, interpreting their dreams. The butler who was finally released promised to let Pharaoh know some things about him. And yet he forsook him and forgot all about joseph until the time came that pharaoh needed a dream to be interpreted so you could see that he went from what being forsaken being betrayed being sold into slavery being falsely accused being in prison none of that sounds like fun does it not at all and finally he got to the place to where what he was now promoted as we just read well how did he overcome all the obstacles that he overcame I believe that there is one key element and quality in his life that enabled him to rise up above all the setbacks that he experienced and overcome. And that's called perseverance. Or the ability to do what? To continue and stay steadfast, even though you're facing difficulties or there's delays in receiving your success or your achieved goal. He remains steadfast and he persevered, and he maintained a right mental attitude in order to do so, and that's what I want to talk about, and share with us some thoughts that we should take note of as far as people that persevere, so we can better understand how we too can have vision to look beyond where we're at and what we're going through, all the way through the end, and realize that we may encounter some difficulties along the way, but we can succeed and overcome, and we can be victorious, and we can achieve success, so number one, let's talk about some things that really characterize people that persevere. Number 1, there's usually going to be a setback that you face in life along the road to success. And also, it's important to know that some setbacks are caused by self. Think about Joseph. It's wonderful to see what he achieved and accomplished in the success that he had, but in the beginning he had loose lips. And he shared with his brothers that were already jealous about him, over him because of him. Some things he probably should have kept to himself. And because he did, they got even more jealous. And that's why they betrayed him. That's why they obviously sent him into slavery and all that. So, if he had kept silent and quiet about it, it may have been an easier road. Someone might say, well, how would he ever get him over to the palace if they didn't sell it? You think God didn't have another way? What about the Israelites? The Israelites, when they got before the, the promised land at Jericho, what happened? They created their own setback because they refused to go forward and refused to continue on to get all the way through to the promised land. That was their own setback that they created themselves as a result of their unbelief. So, did it have to take 40 years to get them in under Joshua? No, God will always make a way, but still we can create our own setbacks. And if we do that, we can delay let's say, the success that we're seeking to achieve. But then again, some setbacks are not our fault. You take, for example, Lucille Ball. Anybody know who I mean by Lucille Ball? That'll date you. Watch if you put your hand up. They'll know exactly how old you are. Remember Lucille Ball? She attended the same uh, academy, acting academy, as Betty Davis did in New York. And at the same time, they were going to this academy. And guess what? Betty Davis was the star. And Lucille Ball, she was told she has no acting ability whatsoever. She might as well quit the school and find yourself another profession. Oh, let me see. All she did was become a legendary star. I Love Lucy ran from, in the 1950s, it was the number one sitcom in all of television. And her career spanned so many, many years. And she was like the queen of comedy. But she was told, you can't act. So she had to overcome that. But she persevered, didn't she? She sure did. Then also, number two. They refused to live in the past. Look in the book of Philippians, chapter 3. Hear the apostle Paul. People that persevere refuse to to be held back by their past here's the apostle paul speaking i don't mean to say that i have already achieved these things or that i have already reached perfection but i press on to possess that perfection for which christ jesus first possessed me no dear brothers and sisters i have not achieved it but i focus on this one thing forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling me. Here we see Paul having an attitude that says, I'm not going to let the devil produce condemnation and guilt in me over my past. Now remember, what was his past? He was responsible for the first Christian martyr. He was trying to destroy Christianity. He was throwing men and women that believed in Christ into prison And the list goes on and on. He was very adamant, zealous. He was a zealot as far as destroying Christianity. But he saw Jesus on the Damascus Road, and all of a sudden he makes a 180, and now he is preaching the very Christ that he was trying to destroy. So he had a lot to forget, the fact that he was a murderer, and he was killing Christians, and he was against Christ, our Lord. Well, there's another individual I want to share with you today. His name is Sparky. He was named Sparky by his uncle for one reason. But anyhow, Sparky was an underachiever. He was a loser as far as all of his peers were concerned. You see, he failed the eighth grade. As a matter of fact, in one of his classes, he had a complete zero. When he got into high school, he failed Latin, algebra, and English. English. He couldn't get a girl because he, he didn't want to be rejected. He did not play sports because he had no athletic ability. So he was considered the underachiever, loser of the class. And finally, when he had one thing he thought could, he could possibly use to help himself gain some kind of a respect, and that was art. And so he contacted the editor of his senior um, yearbook. And said, can you use some of my art? He said, send it in. He sends it in. Rejection. Not good enough. Well, he finally finished and graduated high school. And when he got out of high school, he thought, well, I still like this art business. I'd like to do maybe do something for Walt Disney. And so he contacts Walt Disney. And they say, send in some of your artwork. It was for cartoons. And uh, we'll evaluate it and let you know. So they did send it back. Rejection once again. Buddy, forget it. Setback after setback after setback after setback. Finally, what he decides to do is he's going to write his own autobiography in cartoon. And what he's going to do is basically lay out his life, his childhood life, as a loser, underachiever. So he comes up with a comic strip. And a cartoon character who could not fly a kite, who could not kick a football, who couldn't get a girl, the ultimate loser, and the name of the comic strip is Peanuts, and the loser, Charlie Brown, Charles Schultz. It's all about his life and childhood. Now it ran from October 2nd, 1950, to February 13th, 2000, also, which made it the longest story ever told. It also ran in 2,600 newspapers viewed by 355 million viewers in 75 countries and translated in 21 languages. And the underachiever, Loser made a billion dollars, and 60 years after the senior edit- editor of the senior yearbook rejected his artwork, they placed the bronze Snoopy statue in the school office. Wow. You see, persevering means you remain steadfast despite difficulties or delays in achieving your success. That's what Joseph possessed. That's what Paul possessed. That's what Lucille Ball possessed. And that's what Charles Schultz possessed. And that's what we need to possess if we too want to experience success in achieving our goals in life. So the point is, Don't let a setback cause you to give up, okay. Number three, they also keep on pressing forward. Remember, Paul said, Forgetting those things that are behind, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. In other words, you got your sights set on the finish line, you got your sights set on the prize. How many of you here want to become that for which Christ gave his life? Is that your heart's golden desire? I want to become. For what he sacrificed his life for me to become. On the inside I know I am it and I have it now. But I want to manifest it to the outside. I don't want to hide the light of the countenance of the glory of God in a bushel underneath my flesh. I want people to see my good works and glorify my Father in heaven. I want to be a shining light holding forth the word of life to this generation. That you and I have been sent to minister to. Amen. So in other words, we should have this as a goal. I want to be more Christ-like. Wasn't that Paul's desire? Wasn't that his goal? I want to be so consumed with the fire of God's presence that it burns up all that is flesh in me. And if possible, the very life of God on the inside of me is manifested on the outside of me. And so what are we to do? Press on toward that goal. And remain steadfast and persevere. And don't give up because you have a setback along the way. And don't let the devil condemn you and bring guilt into your mind because you missed it along the way. Who doesn't miss it along the way? We're all going to have setbacks along the way. Well, look at 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verses 7 and 8. Paul knew it's not about how we start. It's about how we finish the race. Amen. Amen? That's what it's all about. No matter how we start, we've got to finish strong. It's not a short distance dash. It is a long distance race. And we've got to pace ourselves and make sure that we're going to get all the way through to the end. I have fought a good fight. There's going to be a fight along the way. Fight with the devil, the world, and the flesh. All three coming at us to try to get us to do what? Not achieve our goals. To get us to hang our heads down and hang our heads low. Just because we had some kind of a setback. It doesn't matter if we had a setback. Everybody has a setback. But praise God, get your head back up. Get back into the game. Get back into the race. Get on that course and start on, keep on saying, I'm going all the way with Jesus. Yesterday is gone. Yesterday is gone. Praise God! He fought a good fight against the devil, warden of the flesh. I have finished my course. We all have a course to finish. It's not yours and yours and yours. It's not mine. It's each and every one of us individual course. It's I don't run yours and you don't run mine. So we're not really competing with with each other. Isn't that a wonderful thing to know? No, it's just a call upon my life to achieve the things he's called me to do. And finish the course he's called me to finish. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, here's here's the prize. There is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Are you looking for him to come again? We need to be like Paul. Keep your eye on the prize. Keep your eye on the finish line. Like any runner in any race, I'm going for the prize. I'm going all out. Uh, Can you imagine uh, interviewing some of these, um, let's say, athletes in the Olympics? What are you you running for? I want to come in 10th. What are you swimming for? I don't know. I like to be the slowest one in the field just to see if I could be the slowest and, and win that title, I guess. No, what are they all after? Has anyone ever said, I'm going for the silver? No, everyone is running for the prize, the gold. They want the best prize, amen? And so every single one of us should be setting our sights on the prize of becoming the people that God wants us to become and finishing the course that he's laid out for each and every one of us and be in pursuit of that every single day of our lives. Why? Because it's your race that you're running, it's your course, and it's your prize. Amen? And you're in control of the whole thing. And I'm in control of the whole thing. No one else can interfere with it. You know, you could be running around that track and running around that track. The devil comes along and says to you, you better slow down. Get out of here. Amen. Take authority over that and say, get behind me, devil. But look at what you did over here. Get behind me. That's in the sea of forgetfulness. Covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Stay on course. Praise God. Keep your head up. Keep on looking at the prize. Because it's for each and every one of us now whatever the goal may be there's going to be some setbacks and challenges along the way but for us to stay focused we got to remind ourselves of the past or as far as uh, what we left behind and also what lies ahead what did we leave behind and what lies ahead look at jesus's example for example look at the book of hebrews this is the example of jesus what did he leave behind he left behind the glory world did he not he left behind his mighty power and glory he became a man and he was on a mission he was running a course He was going to fight the good fight of faith all the way to the end and achieve the goal, which is what? Redeeming us from the fallen state that we were in. Looking away from all that will distract. The first before that says that we're running in a race. And this race that we're running, we've got to get away the the, the sins that so easily beset us, that weights, that weigh us down and stop us from being effective in running our race. Looking away from all that will distract to Jesus, who is the leader and the source of our faith. Giving first incentive for our belief. And and it's also the finisher bringing it to maturity and perfection. He for the joy, notice this, of obtaining the prize. This is Jesus for the joy of obtaining the prize. You know what? We got to have our eyes on the prize with joy. We've got to be joyful, enthusiastic, and excited about the prize. Man, I'm looking forward to that gold medal. I'm looking forward to that Super Bowl ring. I'm looking forward to, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of your Lord. I'm excited, exuberant about achieving the thing that he asked for me. Jesus was joyful. The joy that was set before him of obtaining the prize that was set before him. He endured the cross despising and ignoring the shame and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God just think of him who endured from such sinners such grievous opposition and bitter hostility against himself reckon up and consider it all in comparison with Your trials. We may be having some setbacks along the way. Some challenges along the way. But there's something that has to be set before us. Why? So that you may not grow weary or exhausted. Losing heart and relaxing and fainting in your minds. Oh beloved the devil wants to wear us down with words. He wants to beat us up with guilt and condemnation. He wants to make us think that it's not really anything to to be counted. Something important to, to win the prize of this this, this caliber that we're talking about, the righteous, let's say the crowd of righteousness, the crown of life, and all those things that lie ahead of us. As a matter of fact, we can get so, let's say, we can lose sight of it in such a way that we forget that's what we're running for. That's the prize that we're looking for. We want acceptance by god we want perfection in the sight of god we want to hear that we gave our lives in such a way that he says well done well done well done that is the goal that's what we're looking to do to please him and not ourselves and so along the way we can be distracted along the way we can have setbacks and challenges that will stop us from going forward you hear something like you're not even a good actress there's no way you could possibly make it in the field But she became legendary. Why? Because of perseverance. She was not going to give up the fight. She was going to do everything she needed to do to achieve her goal. And she did. She set out to do it. Sparky, you're nothing but a loser. You're an underachiever. How many times have people been told that even in today's society? Don't you let anybody tell you that you are a loser, that you are an underachiever, and that you can't do it because I'm telling you, God has a different plan for your life for good, not for evil, to give you a future, to give you a hope. God has something that's better for you, praise God, and that you'll see the reward of it at the end of your life when you reach that place in glory. And he puts upon you that crown of righteousness and that crown of life. And so, look at the next one. When it comes to God's saving grace and salvation. In the book of Hebrews as as well, chapter 10. Cast not away therefore your confidence. This is talking about their salvation. Which has a great recompense of reward. You have need of patience that after you have done the will of God, you might inherit the promise or receive the promise. For yet little while he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back into perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. He's talking to Jewish, actually Hebrew Christians that came from Judaism. And they were now serving the Lord, walking with God. But they were so challenged, they were so sorely tempted, which something that we have no idea what they went through. The persecution that they went through, being excommunicated from the community and from the church and from the synagogue. And also probably killed for their faith in Jesus. And so they had to go through all kinds of challenges and setbacks and difficulties and all that. And some of them were tempted to go back into Judaism. And remember, remember where you came from. And that's exactly what the writer here is saying. Remember what you came out of. Remember what you came, where you came from. You came from under the law, the curse of the law. And the law is in no way could possibly save you. So if you think you're going to go back to the law, which nothing but spell, spells out nothing but what? Perdition. Then there's something wrong with the way you're thinking. Think about where you came from and what you came out of. And now, get your eyes on the prize, praise God. Because there's something better that God has for you. It's called grace. And by the grace of God, praise God, you're operating not in your own strength or ability, but in the strength of Almighty God. He'll see you through the trials. He'll see you through the tribulations. He'll see you whatever you've got to go through. He'll see you through it. And on the other side, praise God, you're going to have success. You're going to have victory in the eyes of the Lord your God. He said, so don't in any way. Let anyone distract you from running your race and all the way to the end, completing it. And then next also, remember when it comes to marriage. And this is, I'm bringing this up because it's so important in today's society. God has a goal when it comes to marriage. Look at Malachi chapter 2, verses 14 through 16. Yet ye say, wherefore, because the Lord hath been witness between thee and the wife of your youth, against whom thou hast dealt treacherously, Yet is she thy companion and the wife of thy covenant. And did not he make one? Yet had he the residue of the spirit? Notice this. In marriage, God established a goal. The goal in marriage was oneness. In the beginning, what did he say? You leave, you cleave, you become what? One. In that oneness, you're to create an atmosphere for what? Children to be reared up as a godly seed. In marriage, this is the ultimate plan, purpose, and will of God. And there have been so many distractions in our society today because people are looking basically out for themselves, wanting to satisfy themselves and their own personal needs and forgetting about the main focus of marriage. God is saying this, I'm giving you the privilege of procreation. I'm giving you basically the responsibility to continue to replenish the earth with the godly seed for me. And I'm going to place these young people in an atmosphere where a mother and a father both love God, serve God, obey God, and love each other so much that they become one with each other. And they create a habitation of love so that young people can be born into that environment and learn to know the living God so that they too will grow up as a godly seed. And they too will basically pass on their faith to the next generation. And that will continue from one generation to the next generation to the next. Oh my brother and sister. As we look at Israel what do we find out? Oh maybe the parents Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. But then as it goes down the list we start seeing what? People falling away from the things of God. Falling away from serving God. And we see that throughout all their generations. And then all of a sudden there'd be a revival and they'd come back and start serving God again. But sure enough, slowly but surely, they'd fall away and fall away and fall away. And we see the same thing happening even in Christianity today. Where people start out serving God, but then down the road somewhere, because they don't serve Him as they... Maybe they've lost sight of what it's all about. And their children are not taught the way of the Lord. And then it goes on to the next generation and they're not taught the way of the Lord. Oh, my brother and my sister, nothing is more important to God than the salvation of souls. Nothing is more important because Jesus shed his blood for all so that they could be saved by his grace. He is so concerned about humanity that he wants every person to be a part of his royal family. And the best way we can assure that is by taking up our young children and and training them in the ways of God. Teaching them at a young age how to know God, believe God, serve God, walk with God by the godly example of a mother and a father. And would you agree with me that this is the plan and purpose that God has in marriage primarily? Absolutely. It's what he wants done. And so what are we supposed to do? Evaluate our hearts, our lives, our, our behavior, how we're conducting ourselves as, as a husband and, and a wife and see to that we are providing this kind of an atmosphere for our young people to grow in. And yes, there'll be setbacks along the way. And yes, there'll be obstacles to achieving the goal. But you know what? Father and mothers are to stand strong and persevere in faith and be courageous and say nothing is more important than providing an atmosphere for our children of love. Listen, I came out of a denominational church and to be honest with you, didn't learn much about the Bible. But there's one standard that existed in that assembly of believers. You know what they believed in? Marriage. You know what they didn't believe in? Divorce. And no matter what the hardship was or how, the, how difficult it was for the two to remain together. They stood together for the children. So the children would have a right kind of an atmosphere and environment in which to grow and learn about the things of God. That was important to them. We've lost a lot of that today. But beloved, I believe that things are being resurrected. I believe, believe that things are being restored. I believe the truth of God's word is getting out. And people are realizing the need for them to band together, to join together. And achieve this goal in marriage. And see to it that young people have a proper environment in which they can learn to grow in the things of God. And know the things of God. I, I've said it often. I, I, young people of today really they have not made if you, if you grew up in that kind of a household. Because I knew nothing about God until I was 24 years old. And I'm sure many others even older than that. But I thank God everything I've learned and I know about God today. And I want to pass that on to my children. As far as I'm concerned no better legacy can I leave behind then my children know God. Can you say amen to that? And finally, they also know that God's strength is available to them. Look in the book of Philippians chapter um, 4. Here the apostle Paul is speaking, and as he's speaking here, this is what he says. This is from the amplified version of the Bible. I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I am ready for anything and equal. Notice this. To anything Through him who infuses inner strength into me. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. What's Paul saying? Look, I can't achieve any of this on my own. There's nothing that I can do by myself. I acknowledge the fact that I need a power that transcends the power that I have. I need strength that goes beyond my strength. I need to know that there is an ability, a strength that's out there that will help me overcome whether the shortcomings I have are or, or interfering with my success. Whatever it might be, whether it's obstacles the devil puts in my way, a mountain of adversity that stands before me. Remember, there's a lot that we go through in life that we encounter in life that we need to overcome, including these setbacks we're talking about and other obstacles. Well, Paul says, look, I can't do this in my own strength, but I can do it through the power of god there was a young boy who had a in his backyard he had a a a sand pit like a sandbox that his father built for him and there was like a little wooden wall around to hold the sand in and his father one day was looking out the wet back window and as he was looking out the window he saw the little boy someone must have thrown a rock in it and it was too big for him to get out so he was pushing it and pushing it and pushing it to try to get it over top of that one piece of board. But every time he tried, he kept on falling back. Tried again, it fell back. Tried again, it fell back. Well, one day, the father's looking out. He's doing this. He walks out to the backyard and says, son, why didn't you use all your strength? He says, daddy, I, I pushed as hard as I could. I used every ounce of energy that I have. I promise you, I worked as hard as I could. I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. He said, no, son, why didn't you use all all your strength. Daddy, what do you mean? Why didn't you ask me to help you? I'm your father. And proceeded to help him push the rock over top the board and got it out of the sandbox. John 15:5, Jesus made a statement that really every one of us should heed. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do what? What can you do? Without him, what can you do? You see this glove? Don't you love this wonderful yellow, this canary yellow glove? Well, I'd like for it to wash my car. You think it can? And maybe my windows in my home. And I've got a tree stump in my yard that needs to be dug up. But guess what? It can't do anything of its own. But. Let's go to work, boys. Put that glove on a hand. It can do a lot of things. We're the same way. Jesus said, Apart from me, you can do nothing. So why even consider it? Don't try to do anything in your own strength or ability. But if you and I will clothe ourselves with the power of the glory and the strength of Almighty God. Oh praise God we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. David says the Lord's my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? oh praise God the young men we realize they'll faint and they'll get weary but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength they'll exchange it with God they'll mount up with wings as eagles they'll run and not weary and they'll walk and not faint why because they're not operating in their own strength they're operating in the strength of almighty God the power of God you don't want to be like this glove with no hand in it praise God you let God con- just, just clothe you praise God with his presence power glory and might and you and I can do all things that he's called us to do So we should never try to do it in our own strength or ability. But as the ability God imparts to us. And so each and every day, praise God, I believe that there is the strength that we need. That comes from the throne of God. That will assist us in achieving the goal. You know what? He wants us to succeed more than we want to. He wants us to become the person he wants us to be more than we want to. That's why he gave his son's life for us to achieve it. So basically in conclusion, it's important to know that whatever we set out as a goal. We're going to have setbacks probably along the way. There'll be challenges for sure along the way. There's going to be obstacles that the enemy puts in our way. To stop us or prevent us from achieving our goal. But we're to take courage. Joshua was told be courageous. Any man that stands before you. Be courageous. Why? Because I will go before you. As I was with Moses. So will I be with you. So we're to take courage. We're to be steadfast. We're to persevere. We're not to faint. We're not to lose heart. We're not to give up. Keep our eyes on the prize. Is the prize you're looking for healing in your body? Keep persevering. Keep your eyes on the prize. Is what you're looking for success in the business world? Don't give up the fight. Keep your eyes on the prize. Is it success in marriage? Get the two of you to sit down together and just say, you know what? We are going to set our mind on the thing that God has designed for marriage. And we're going to make it work. We're going to see to it by the grace of God we'll be empowered to provide an environment in which our children can grow in the love of God. To know God. Is it success in ministry? What has God called you to do? Don't try to do it in your own strength, power, or ability because you'll never be able to do it. But praise God if you will just say, clothe me, Father, this day with the anointing of God from on high. Empower me with the power that comes from Jesus Christ, my Lord, that I might carry out the purpose that you've called me to for my life, that I might succeed in doing, dear Father God, all that you have ordained that I do in this life. I believe I receive that strength and power from on high right now. It pays to persevere. How many of you heard of the man by the name of George M- Mueller? The orphanage that he established, and he went, his saying, famous saying was, when he first stepped into the ministry, he could only believe God for a dollar. By the time he, the end of his ministry, he could believe God for a million dollars, like he did for the one dollar back when, then. Well, one thing that he made as a goal, as far as his life was concerned, he had five friends, and these five friends were very dear to his heart. And he said, you know what? I'm believing God for every one of them to be saved. I'm believing for their salvation. And so the first one was saved within the first year. Months. Within months, he was saved. He was rejoicing in that. But there were four more. The next two, he continued to persevere in prayer and faith and believing God for their salvation. And within ten years, they were saved. That's three. The next one... It took 25 years, but he persevered, stayed before the Lord and kept on saying, thank you for that person's salvation. Thank you for that person's salvation. And 25 years after he was saved, that's four. The last one, the fifth one, he never saw because he died before that, but he stayed before the presence of almighty God. And after his funeral, the fifth one got saved and was born again into the family of God. The point is the man never gave up even after 52 years of calling out that name before the throne of God and believing that God would send a labor of love to speak into his heart and his mind to give him the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And you know what? That man God saved even after his death. Your prayers and our prayers are in golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints that are there before the throne of God, even after you depart this realm of life. So it pays to persevere and stay in faith and believe God no matter what. Amen? Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. We're going to, uh, and, and let me just close by saying this. There's no greater illustration of perseverance than what you and I are about to experience here today. Because Jesus set his face like a flint to go to Jerusalem where he knew he would die a sacrificial death upon a cross. And he would experience in his own life suffering like no one has ever experienced ever in all of creation. Not just a physical death, but a becoming of sin for us who knew no sin. And taking upon himself the suffering for that sin caused by Adam in the first transgression when he committed high treason. And he would take the full brunt of the fullness of the wrath of Almighty God upon himself. And so when he made his way into Jerusalem and he began to head toward that Via Dolorosa. All eyes were on him. He never, never turned away from the goal. His eyes were on the prize. And the prize is you and me. The prize, the joy that was set before him, you giving your heart to him and you giving your heart to him. He never took his eyes off of that. He knew there'd be many sons and daughters if he would go through with it. He knew why he left heaven was to come to the earth. He knew why he came to earth to go to a cross. He knew he went to a cross Because he knew that you one day would say, Yes, Jesus, come into my heart and be my Savior and my Lord. He persevered all the way to the very end. All for you and for me. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife Krista and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school,